Welcome, everyone, to the fourth episode of Light Up the Sky, where we take a journey through multi-generational artists, some of the world's greatest artists um, that have ever lit up the sky on the, on the big stage. And we are talking Van Halen, and we are on fair warning. So uh, the follow-up to Women and Children are first. Uh, we're one year later, and they've been putting out an album pretty much uh, once a year at this point. And you know, it's been an interesting journey so far and things are, um, you know, going to take a turn pretty fast uh, coming up here. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, let everyone start out with their uh, starting opinions here. And uh, we're going in the inverse of love it or flush it order. And uh, we're starting with Alex. Alex, uh, give us your opening thoughts on Fair Warning by Van Halen. Sure. Yeah, this was this is my favorite Van Halen album of all time. Uh, I was really excited to get to this episode. It's probably my most listened to album. It's got probably my favorite Van Halen song on it. Uh, as much as I like the Sammy era, I definitely have my, my, my favorite Sammy era record. But if I had to pick one Van Halen record to show somebody, I think this would be it. So, yeah, uh, going back on any memorable stories, uh, I'd have to think deeper on that i don't know if maybe one of the first time i heard this record was but um yeah just everything from the album cover to the sounds to it actually i just thought of this uh, uh an early s- story uh that i have was i was taking guitar lessons uh in arlington heights maybe back in high school and i was really getting into this band and i remember uh there was a magazine at the uh, at the place that was giving lessons and there was like a section with like interviews and stuff on Eddie talking about this album and the production and the the darker kind of vibe and what he was going to get his guitar tones and stuff on this so that's just sort of an early memory I have I don't know if that I, I would have listened to the record already by that time but that's just an early memory so sure Chris give us your opening thoughts um, you know, it's funny. This is a record that, uh, except for maybe a few songs, I mean, Unchained was always one of my favorite songs. I mean, I mean, when I was in college, I mean, that was my ringtone for probably two or three years. So, uh, so that's probably my special memory. Um, but yeah, as far as, I mean, it's, it's a great deep cut record. I mean, it's very, it's a much darker record than anything else they put out. Uh, but I guess maybe that kind of served kind of switching it up a little bit without, uh, kind of alienating too much of the fan base. Uh, cause you, when you look at it, I mean, even the band has said, yeah, this was kind of getting into a very dark, uh, and, uh, very kind of where the, the relationship between Dave and Eddie really was starting to fall apart and you hear it in the music too. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, even the subject matter is a little bit more cynical and a little bit more kind of, uh, reflective, uh, where it's not all fun. Uh, I mean, there's. They're heavy. I mean, the songs focus on partying, but they're much more kind of like, oh, this is kind of a dirty kind of fun. Yeah, not like a let's go out and party and kind of. Uh, and uh, yeah, I kind of like that it does that a little bit. It's more of a uh, it's it's not a hits record, but it's got these great kind of for the real like Van Halen fan, the people who really love to dig into it. Uh, it's got uh, it's got uh, something for that fan. Uh, it's got the hard rock. It's got the Eddie. Uh, guitar experimentations uh, from Clean. Uh, love a lot of very interesting Clean uh, uh, passages on here. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, probably the most you hear Mike on here. I mean, as far as bass, there's a lot. You can really hear the bass coming through on this album, um, uh, which uh, really wasn't the focal point on the last, uh, the first three records. Uh, so yeah, much different. Yeah, it's not a uh, it's not a typical like a hits kind of let's go out and have a party kind of record. It's much more of a 
almost like a concept record uh, in many ways. You know, it's interesting that both of you have mentioned the darkness of it. And, you know, I didn't pick up on that listening to this. And I'll share my thoughts on on this album, my opening statement. I mean, I was I was pretty negative about last album. I mean, I was a little harsh, I suppose. And, you know, for those of you that listened to the last episode, I was I was flushing a lot of the tracks. Um, and I know that that's a that's a it's it's kind of a favorite uh, album for people, a woman and children first, but this album, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll confess. I, I really have not spent much time at all in my life listening to this album and, and, and diver down really just being kind of just have glossed over these as I've gotten to 1984. And, and I think this is a nice recovery for the band. I don't know where they would have been had they not put out this album and just, you know, with with kind of just the steady decline from one to two to to woman and children first. Um, so, you know, I was pleasantly surprised listening to this album and it was quick too. you know, I I threw this album on and I went for a bike ride. And and uh, as all of a sudden, you know, Spotify had picked up some random track for, uh, you know, off off balance or something for the autoplay. And I was like, well, yeah, that was it. You know, this is a quick album and um, you know, it goes by fast. But I think it uh, they, they, they put a lot of uh, good stuff in here. So we'll get to the track by track and talk about that. So, Kevin. Yeah, um, I got into this album because of Alex, actually. Um, I remember just talking to him back in high school, and we were talking about Van Halen, Van different Van Halen eras, and I was like, yeah, you know, I know Van Halen 1, and really love it, Van Halen 2, I know that. And I'm like, what else, you know, could I look for? What else would you recommend? And he's like, well, you know what's one of Eddie's best tones in this really dark album? It's like, fair warning. So, you know, I wow. heard Unchained before that, but yeah, I really got into this album because of you, Alex, and I listened to it front to back several times, and it became my favorite uh, Dave era Van Halen album. Sure awesome. enough, high here. Yeah, it that's, is, that's yeah. A... <laughs> it, it, after after listening to it top to bottom, I'm like, yeah, this is an excellent kind of yeah. There's a lot of underappreciated kind of muscular uh, stuff here. Uh, yeah, no, get no, into, but uh, there, oh, there it is. I definitely, nice. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have some uh, qualms with some of the tracks on these, but yeah, you know, uh, Unchained being the one that is just you know, if you don't know Unchained, then you know, I don't know where your head has been in terms of like listening to music. <laughs> Why are you listening to and, us? Like, yeah, and, and if you don't like Unchained, like Wrong you know, if podcast. anybody on this this podcast flushes it, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like I don't know, like maybe I'll put that out there because I mean, like, I don't know, like I don't know what you're doing listening to this band. Like, go listen to Kenny Rogers or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just metal to the core i mean I, I i love it so yeah um you know we'll get to that and uh so we're doing something new this time um we're starting with uh truth or lies by chris the architect bringing us some historical facts that the rest of us are going to take a stab at whether or not uh, they are truth or lies and the one who gets the most right gets an extra buyer terminate and chris because this is the fourth album and you obviously can't win that contest. Uh, you get a free one every fourth album, and this Very one nice. you will also get a free buy or terminate in addition to that. Um, you know, for those of you just catching up, that's uh, those we're buying a song, and that uh, is included on our group Spotify playlist. We're seeking to put together a better best of Van Halen that really is fan driven and that is, um, you know, covers the deep cuts, the hits, and all the best moments of a band that. Uh, spans generations and crosses decades. So right. kick it off, Chris. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So for my first uh, Truth or Lies. Um, yeah. It's, okay. So uh, true or false. Uh, there were two different versions written for Mean Street. 
I'm going to say true. Okay. Yeah, I'll say that as well. Okay, Mark? Two different versions. So uh, I'm going to say false. Okay. Well, uh, unfortunately, Mark, uh, yeah, you're, uh, you is wrong. Uh, so do we have do we do we, do we have a sound effect for uh, like a fart sound or I don't know? <laughs> okay, yeah, load um, that up. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there were actually there was a an earlier demo version with completely different lyrics called uh, "Voodoo Queen." Uh, oh, that was yeah. written shortly before they officially went in to record um, the actual album. So that's uh, on the zero album or the zero demos, right? Uh, it probably is. Yeah, um, uh, that would make sense because yeah, that's all. Yeah, that that's all the early demos, right? Are all packaged into one thing, correct? Yeah, I wonder why they didn't uh, include. I mean, it's an opener here. They definitely reworked it into something that they wanted to lead with. So okay, but uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, yeah. And I think the lyrics for the other version are online too, but uh, we can take a look at that. Sure. Okay. Um, all right. Truth or lies. Uh, the good relationship between Eddie and Ted Templeman allowed for a renewed sense of spirit during the recording process. Oh, Ooh. I'm going to say, I, I'm going to say it's a lie. Yeah. I, I'm going to say that's a lie as well. Okay. I, I would agree I, with that. Yeah. I okay. feel like that somewhat contributed to the dark vibe of this record yeah, yeah you guys are all correct yeah, i was trying to figure out how to word that uh without giving much away but yeah no this was uh yeah their relationship was pretty much at an all-time low uh to the point where eddie and his engineer would actually sneak in after hours like at three four o'clock huh. in the morning to record the, like what they wanted to record so Jeez. um okay so alec and kevin are tied uh mark so with two and then mark has one um all right so uh all right, we'll do the next one and try to break this tie. Uh, okay. Um, all right, true or false? Uh, one foot out the door was recorded in one take at the last second as they were packing up and leaving. True. True. Okay. True. All right, you are correct. All of you are correct. Okay, we got a steady tie between uh, yeah, Kevin and yeah, Alex. Yeah, you could come up with a tiebreaker here. All right, let me see. What do I got? Um, oh, let me see. What's a good one? Yeah, yeah. I, wanted, I was. I didn't want to put too many on here or too many questions where we would eat up too much time. But uh, all right, okay. In reference to the album cover, um, where was uh, where did the artist paint all of those pictures? Where uh, uh, where was he staying when he painted these? I'm gonna say I do not know. Do I think not. I've heard the story before, but I don't. Okay, know. this was a, yeah. We... There was a, yeah. This was a real long story. I was trying to incorporate it. Yeah, as far as the I don't. Idea. I don't know where he was staying when he drew, but I know that the some of these pictures are from the painting called the Maze. Okay, that's very good. Okay, so you know that's a little as, bit about it. Uh, that's as far as okay. I, I. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was staying. Was he staying with Eddie at at, at his house? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, how about Mark? Do you have any idea? Do you want to take a stab at it? Uh, was it the Beverly Hills Hilton? Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, Scott, you're out of the running. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, you're all. Uh, he was. This, the, the artist was actually dead at this point. It was the, the photo was actually something Alex came across, um, and it was actually drawn in a mental institution because um, the um, the uh, the artist uh, what was it William Kerlick. Um, yeah, pretty much spent most of his adult life in in, in this mental hospital uh, and kind of as far as trying to deal with what was going on, he just be, got into painting 
and all the images on the co- on the cover of Fair Warning were all little bits and pieces taken. Uh, it's interesting because that, that reflects the, the darker change of this album. Oh, yeah, no, it's perfect the... if you re- if you have a chance to read up on it, because I didn't want to waste much time on the idea. It's a very interesting story. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, they were, uh, it's pretty much, yeah, Alex probably knows because he knows the name of the painting, The Maze. It's uh, It was supposed to represent a, if, uh, like a splitting open of the artist's head and looking at all the very dark kind of imagery that he was feeling, all the dark feelings. And, yeah, it was very disturbed individual. But I guess it was it made sense for this record because it's a darker, yeah, it's probably the darkest Van Halen record of that era. Um, okay, so we're okay. Let's try to tie break uh, this uh, sucker. Um, all right, let me see. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, tr- uh, truth or uh, or lies? It was during the making of this album Eddie considered quitting the band for the first time. I'm gonna say true. True. Yeah, I feel like he would. Okay, Mark. I'm gonna say false. I'm gonna go with uh, that dates back to women and children first. Uh, no, this was actually the first time where it actually came up in conversation, uh, just based on what I was reading. Uh, uh, not that they weren't having great, but this was the first. I guess during the making of this record, this was the first time that he actually, uh, can I guess actually like voiced his opinion to whether it was the manager or whatever. That like I, I don't know if I can yeah. do this. Because this um, is when he went around to Gene Simmons and. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I guess before that, it was kind of all kept quiet where there was kind of animosity, but it really wasn't yeah. kind of verbally dealt with. Supposedly that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. man, OK, you guys are doing good. I got to try to break yeah, we'll, this tie. We'll grab one more. And if not, then I think we'll give the Alex Alex the tiebreaker based on his knowledge of the maze. Uh, uh, I would agree. Yeah. OK. All right. Um, all right. Uh, truth or false uh roth's own dark contributions uh to this album were due to a trip he took to africa and being taken back by the poverty he saw there i'm gonna say truth because that sounds like a dlr story okay uh Uh, i think you said africa correct yeah yeah no i think that's false didn't he go to haiti which would be down in the caribbean you are correct. Oh, <laughs> well, there it is, I guess. That's a- yeah. I know. I was trying to. I'm like, that's kind of an interesting. But how do I do it without way the? But uh, well. okay, that was good. I was I was holding back on that one because it was really weird. But I'm like, okay, now that's that. That would be a good. Uh, it seemed like a trick there stuff. for a second. Yeah. yeah. Somebody, somebody knows cut. there. I was just gonna say. Yeah, that that's a deep. That's one I had no idea until I saw it. So I'm I'm very impressed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I had, yeah. I yeah. had no I idea. <laughs> You're yeah. not even going to give an answer. Yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. Lost so in good. the dust. Alex right, gets yeah. an extra buyer terminate. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Track by track. Let's, Let's get into roll it. Roll them. Roll them with Mean Street. Same old talk, and I'm searching for the latest thing. I break 
another muscular quintessential Van Halen riff. I mean, you can't really, yeah. I mean, yeah, the intro with the tapping, I know you didn't play that part, but, uh, uh which I think it makes it a great opener because it kind of feeds it kind of slowly kind of plays into that really probably the most muscular tapping he ever did on any of the, any song that they've done. Uh, now it's such an interesting yeah. opener because, uh, I mean, they, they, this is the fourth album that they've had a darker opener. Yeah, it is. It's just, yeah. they, they don't do those up-tempo party rock openers. They don't do those arena rock openers. It's no. another dark opener, like a little quicker. Um, and I, I wanted to comment, comment about that intro there. And I'll, I'll play that back here because that's just, I mean, it's just yeah. such a incredible is, yeah. piece of, of guitar work here. I mean, here's my thought on this is that just imagine what it was like to be, you know, 13, 14 years old, sitting in your bedroom and hearing that and trying to figure out what was he doing? I, I mean, we, we all have this, the, the benefit of going on YouTube and, and watching, you know, you know, a seven year old, you know, just like ace this, this part right here. But like, this, just imagine how mind blowing that was to just listen back for the first time and try to figure out just like what's going on there. Yeah, just pull oh, yeah, up the yeah. pull up the needle on the record. Go back. Pull up the needle. On the record, go no, I back, know. Yeah, you know. if I if I remember correctly, maybe you guys can uh, elaborate uh, that he how he came up with that intro was just kind of practicing and experimenting on a bass guitar because uh, it does have that kind of slap sound to it. I think if if I remember my research, uh, that that's where he kind of uh, got the ins- uh, the inspiration for it. Um, was just to get that fatter sound. I don't know what he, uh, as far as in the recording process, I'm not sure how he got it. Cause it is compared to a lot of the other tapping intro songs that they've done. I mean, none of them I don't, uh, have that kind of, kind of pummeling attack that this one does. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, I, I think it's interesting too, cause that, that intro riff, you know, that comes in after that, I don't think it would have the same impact without that opening tapping part. No. Yeah. Right. It's a great, it's, it yeah, just yeah. makes it so much cooler. And it's unique, and it, because like, again, reinventing his tapping. I mean, which was pretty much kind of, um, yeah, kind of the, the the main thing that he was known for, and he was able to re kind of reinvigorate it. But yeah, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, yeah, uh, I I agree. Uh, as cool as the tapping part is that he does, I mean, personally, my favorite is that opening riff right oh, I, after yeah. it. It's just so monstrous and huge, and mm-hmm. I remember really falling in love with it. Uh, there's a if you go online um, during the uh, 1995 Balance tour, there's like a really famous Pro Shot concert where they play in Toronto uh, during the Hagar years, and Eddie incorporates that bit into his actual guitar solo, and it just really made me like pay attention to what he was yeah. doing and how huge it sounded. And also, like my I think my other favorite part of the song. Uh, is later on, uh, you'd have to pull it up, but it's like the it's just like a really kind of sleazy, dancey kind of part, and I think those are like my two favorite. I mean, when I think of that, I, I can see why they called it like Voodoo Queen, because I just kind of picture like kind of being at a bar, like somebody up on stage, like just kind of doing this dance or something. It just right, has yeah. that, it just has that imagery yeah. to it when I hear that part. So yeah, yeah mammoth a, opening a, track. I, yeah, I'm going to throw another vote towards the, uh, um, just, just kick off this record with that killer riff. 
I mean, that is just a, a grade A opening. I mean, I, I love the tapping part just for the novelty of it and how, mm-hmm. you know, appreciating what Eddie was doing at that time. But, you know, I, I it, it's a live thing for me. Like if they could have just right. left that as a special treat for the, those who saw this live and and just, I mean, it just, just starting the record on that, just you you know you're in for a, a killer right. Van Halen record when it, yeah, just, it, you get a riff like that. It struts. Yeah, it's a real strutting feeling kind of where you can just feel like yourself walking down the street with a camera kind of, following you i guess kind of you can you can kind of, dave does come kind of, does kind of come to mind you can see i'm surprised i don't think they did a music video for this did they for mean street i don't think so no yeah, okay probably just know. live footage but uh yeah, but it would have been a perfect kind of uh, the, yeah yeah it had the foundation for a good video but uh just because of that yeah you're right but that riff is just very kind of yeah it's uh it almost paints an image of the whole song i mean yeah All right, well, let's move on to the second track on this album, and that would be Dirty Movies. that uh, this is a song that I would have hated or skipped or had no interest in years ago, but this is a, uh, you know, we talk about Van Halen being a cinematic band. Uh, This song right here is just, this is Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights <laughs> in audio, like in, in music written at the time that Boogie Nights takes place. Oh, yeah, like, I love that, you know, and, and that's, that, that's just, um, you know, and Van Halen hasn't done a track like this. I mean, no, they, yeah. It, and I know yep. that there's been a big clowning and like, you know, like an, um, like an, I guess Jamie's crying was a bit like this, but. Right. But yeah, this kind of, yeah, it kind of takes a kind of a comical swing at the, like the most popular girl in school is now doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, instead of celebrating it, there's a little bit of kind of like, oh, well, look, yeah, well, so much for how her life turned out. Yeah. Which again, kind of feeds into the, uh. Uh, into the dark uh, again kind of the darker there's a little bit of sense of humor in this song though it's not as cynical as some of the other tracks on here but uh, uh, and even the music I don't know it's a very it's a very slow but heavy muscular riff uh, and I love how in the beginning we've got kind of that clean kind of really almost like summery feeling kind of clean riff and then all of a sudden it launches into the main one uh, just it's a great a great deep cut uh, for sure so you know uh, you know a couple things about this this whole intro here one that um that riff like the lead riff when the the guitars come in yeah that reminds me of the dream is over from for all unlawful carnal knowledge mm. Mm. really yeah okay let me pull that up here <laughs> the other thing while mark's pulling that up is um when did anybody else notice how heavy this this oh, riff it's was huge. it yeah. is yeah but it's yeah it's it's not it's, it's, it's not it's yeah. in it's in uh c sharp oh is it oh, okay so that was 
So it's yeah, it's in drop. Did you ever do that anywhere else? Or well, no, yeah, there's a lot of drop D on this record. I mean, Unchained is, but okay. is drop D, okay. but this is even well, lower well, than well, yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, standard yeah. like Dave era Van Halen tuning was E flat and then dropping that low E to a yeah, yeah. So no, I, so I mean, yeah, that's pretty low. That that that's something that I uh, uh, had to look up myself too because uh, <laughs> drop. I mean, how low is this going? Like, especially I was going to talk about it on Chain, but you know, I actually researched a little bit on the history of Drop D, considering that uh, it wasn't that popular no. at this time. But no. uh, Black Sabbath was doing it, and uh, like Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath uh, was was mm-hmm. uh, Drop uh, C sharp essentially. Right. And uh, I, uh, uh, I I must assume that they must have picked that up from those guys. Yeah, yeah, it's ahead, funny. Alex. I I sort of have a. A vivid story in my mind. I remember like sitting in my room, uh, listening to this record on my iPod Classic, I think it was. And I was like a big sports guy growing up, and I was a big, you know, soccer and baseball fan. And uh, for some reason, this song, the way it sort of like eerily kind of, not eerily, but slowly kind of builds up and then just explodes, like, you know, right at the beginning mm-hmm. there. Uh, I always thought if I was yeah. ever like a closing pitcher a closer in baseball and i had like a walkout song where i like came out where i like i I came out of the bullpen and i was like running towards the mound like it would start off kind of like like nice and slow like that and as soon as i hit the mound it just like explodes and just the whole stadium rocks i love that 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 that, that, that's uh alex the contender's closing song dirty movies (laughs) at the time i i have you know many but but that i have a vivid memory of that song being that. that's funny just a right. baseball stadium full of fans cheering yeah and the song. fact and the <laughs> fact like, that it's a deep cut too is like why i wanted to yeah. pick it too because like what what is this guy playing yeah. dirty movies off fair warning in front of like <laughs> warning. Yeah. yeah the deep cut off the yeah. deep cut album yeah yeah just ign- yeah just yeah. ignore yeah. the content or ignore the lyrics right. yeah, it's, uh, yeah yeah everything yeah. else is me though <laughs> so let's 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 see how right kevin is here we are You know, I, I don't want to play too much because uh, we're trying to stick in the era of Van Halen, but it's yeah. really interesting to see the evolution of those like jigsaw riffs that yeah. he was creating. And and this like like, like uh, Dirty Movies just really has a lot of there's a lot of intricacies in the way these riffs were written uh, yep. that is almost just um, you know it's the way music was going at the time, and it's obviously just listening to uh, a record that's you know what six seven albums later that's that's where they were at that at that time. So uh, you know not that it didn't happen before, but I think that you're really starting to see it here with uh, Fair warning a little more more complex and uh, like jigsaw puzzle right. riffs yeah like the, I, that's the first thing i noticed in the song was the riffs but you know it, it, again for another uh for unlawful carnal knowledge reference uh, the the song you know, with the lyrics and stuff almost you know gave me a spanked vibe <laughs> and not in a good uh, way this is better than spanked i think we could say yeah yeah, yes, by, yes yeah. it definitely it definitely <laughs> is so that's that's the thing it's like the lyrics weren't enough to take away from the song for me okay let's let's, yeah. let's let's do a vote then um you know down the line love it or flush it order um do you like the lyrical content of this song kevin no 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 me i like it chris yeah i, I like it i think it in the in the in the very sophisticated mature riffs i think kind of add to it it gives it a little bit more 
uh yeah kind of like a little not sexy vibe but you know what i mean yeah like it's yeah, yeah it kind of it takes it out of like the sleazy camp uh and kind of puts it into kind of a more of like okay this is kind of an interesting little story where it makes you want to listen to it uh, sure. Alex? Yeah, yeah i absolutely agree and and i never thought of this before but now that i uh kind of read the lyrics more in depth here this almost kind of predates a lot of that sunset strip kind of sleazy uh yeah, strip like stripper music, kinda, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean it, it sort of predates that yeah. like something like motley Crue or like poison or somebody would have wrote like van halen was doing it in, in 81 so okay i, I gotta defend my no here because okay, one ahead. you know i have to pick yes or no so and it's it's not the lyrics as a whole. It's that specific part, and I'll tell you why. Because I was listening to this album today, cranking it on the turntable, with the doors open and the people running by on the path, and it got to that part <laughs> where Dave's yelling, "Take it all off!" And I was like, "Are people are people going to be looking in here at me? Because other, otherwise, the that. music is great." <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll I'll say that yeah, last album I didn't buy take your whiskey home um because you know like chris i think made a, a great point about the the lyrics of that song being a little bit more mature but i just i didn't i couldn't buy it just based on the rest of the album uh i'm trying to i, I like i'm trying to see this album differently and this album i do buy the lyrical content of it here because the rest of the album is more mature and you know it's it's very satirical and the music is good where you know take your yeah. whiskey home to me was like it just wasn't so um you know i i, I that's that's why I like this and just kind of just, you know, because Boogie Nights is one of my favorite movies that that this song just goes so well with that. Yeah, uh, even in it's authentic because it was written at the time, kind of like right. that, that, yeah. that, you know, like post golden age of porn 70s. Yeah. <laughs> that was it was closing, you know, it was, this was 18, you know, 1981 here. So that was really I'm going to call you Mark time. Diggler for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark is. Yeah. No longer the. Uh, yeah. the <laughs> Well, that's yeah, you got Mark Wahlberg. So that right. I guess it does. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're going to move on here into Sinner's Swing and another wonderful exclamation point. Come back to your senses, baby, we can come to terms. I can almost taste it in the burns. You'd be sitting pretty, but you try to take the I'm going to have to uh, uh, defend my exclamation point attack that Kevin made there. Like it's not necessary in this song. Um, and I'm just, it, it just basically accepting at this point. Is it the Dave era? They're going to throw that in there, but you know, the, the, the drumming yes. in this track, I mean, like he sounds like a, a band leader. Like it just, it, it, it makes me think of like, 
like like Buddy Rich or you know those mm-hmm. those guys in the fifties that were just just leading the band and and um, like this is like Romeo's delight. I think this is the yeah. Romeo's delight of of uh, of a fair warning. Yeah, it's it's definitely like an out of the box kind of thing like that where it just yeah this this is probably the rager on the album. It's got that that, that blistering riff, uh, a little bit more bluesy maybe, but uh, I guess it fits with the. Uh, 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 you know, with the uh, yeah, just the overall vibe of the song. Uh, you just got again a guy out on the prowl. It's again, it's another kind of like okay, it's it's another Dave type song, but it's, again, it's got that darker undertow of uh, of yeah, kind of like a player going out and playing the field and yeah, not caring what he's doing. Yeah, and I just love how that just incorporated with the music how that fits yeah, in. Yeah, I agree. I, and, and today I want to yeah. say it was like the first time I really paid attention to Alex's yeah. drumming on this. Like I know I, I kind of stated oh, yeah. it, I think on Van Halen too, that I, I often didn't pay attention to it because Eddie just overshadowed him and me being a guitar player, that's what I paid attention to. But today it really struck me. A lot of those like rack Tom rolls he does and the fact that this song, yeah. there's parts where it almost changes time signatures, it sounds like, and it's just kind of like falling off the cliff a lot of times, but then it's it's still there, and just that opening riff is so huge. And I think my favorite part of the song always was ha- like in the middle of the song where everything drops out and it goes right back to that just Eddie and Dave, like Eddie playing that opening riff and then Dave talking with the little kind of scrapes he does on the strings. Uh, this song is incredible. I, I love this song. Mm-hmm. I never realized what a blistering solo Oh, the solo was. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, just listened through. Oh, man. Like, I, of course, I'd listened to this record a ton of times, but like this time in particular, I was yeah. just like, just, come on. Just, just yeah. insane. Yeah, it's not subtle. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go with two comments on on the solos here. You know, this this overall this record. If you listen to the direction that Eddie is going with the solos, it almost feels like he's going much more pop, like a solo over a chorus or a solo that reiterates the line of a chorus. And we'll talk about this. I have a couple notes from later tracks here where it really just feels like he's heading that fifty one fifty direction, or kind of like you know, love walks in where the solo is basically just a, a melodic chorus line. But this is the exception here. And that solo is just like, I am going to just tap every note and, and you're just like, right. just try to keep up uh, because right. that's just incredible. And, and I have to comment about the song structure here, Chris, you, uh, you mentioned undertow, um, you know, like, like this almost has like an abacab vibe where it's got the, the verse chorus verse chorus, and then it goes into a secondary chorus. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I agree. And then it's, you have uh, like a uh, chorus solo chorus. Yeah. Which is interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I love the chorus in this. It's just, a, again, it's another great kind of like shouting in an arena type of setting. Yeah. The, well, I mean, what, what are the lyrics here? Get, get, get out and push. And push and, correct. Yeah. Well, which, it's cool because then we have push comes to shove later this album. Yeah. Where he's really contrary where he, in, in the, in the, in the breakdown there, you, you can hear Dave going push shove right push like and that's such yeah. a cool contrast and these two very very different songs for sure all right well let's uh move on and close out the first side of the album with hear about it later Thank you. 
Yeah, I love it just probably his one of his best uses of the flanger effects. I just it's such a beautiful, thick, clean, but but very beautiful sounding and then transitioning into that main again, not a fast riff, but a very muscular riff, kind of uh, like in dirty movies. It's it's heavy, but it's yeah, it kind of it serves the song though. It kind of moves it along with that. This song here is such a journey through all of the different things that Van Halen can be. I mean, you've got that that clean intro, and like it almost sounds like it could be a ballad. Oh, like it almost sounds like Queensryche. Like that's the first thing that I, I thought of. Like it's like it sounds like something off Promised Land, you know, twelve years later or whatever. Um, I mean, like this this is you can hear the Sammy direction coming in this in this like it sounds like a mm-hmm. mix of a dave and a sammy song like we talked about this before like what would be the sammy song on on the album here and i think that this this would be probably my vote like in terms of um you know what song just almost sounds like this is where 5150 like you can start to see the 5150 percolating in his mind and you know like it's such a great pop solo like i'm gonna have to steal alex's um warm yeah. blanket uh analogy <laughs> like with uh, this song. Like, i'm gonna have to go there with that so. yeah no okay, absolutely guys. i mean this yeah. is We've reached my favorite Van Halen song, I think, of all time. This is this is it. Favorite on the record. Um, just, yeah, that opening intro and then going into that groove. And then the way he turns that kind of riff around right into the first verse. And he does that little trill, like, it's just, like, so perfect. And just, like, a little story... Um, if you have the pleasure, I hope we get onto this topic at some point, but the it's many people's uh, uh, kind of like holy grail live concert outside of maybe the Us Festival is them playing in 1981 on this tour in Oakland. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's like maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah there's maybe like 15 me. minutes, like a good like three or four songs of them playing. Uh, it's pro shot. And the the thing is, is fans want to know if more footage is out there from that show and people there's, you know, there's uh, conspiracies and stuff that there is or that they only filmed like as much tape as they had. But they there's a video for this song and it's so perfect because like Eddie's there with the striped shirt and he's got like the the baseball pants and like the white socks and like the spotlight is just on him during that intro and it just gives me chills and it's and then when they they do that part they're all kind of doing like this little hop in unison with the beat and it's just it makes me think of that and this song just symbolizes the whole record for me it's it's perfection yeah it is uh, such a great song and you know it's funny because Mark used the warm blanket analogy. One of the things I wrote down is that it reminds me, like that whole intro, it reminds me of a darker women in love. Yeah. You know, mm. I, I, I don't know yeah. why, but just like the, the, the super pristine clean and it goes into this really dark riff, this really dark riff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my favorite parts of this song at the end, personally, is how you have like the solo and, you know, you, you got a little Dave, you know, in there and doing his thing. But then, like, the outro, it's like, it's not a total chorus. This is Dave kind of vamping and Eddie soloing. I love that. Like, oh, let's not just go back to a chorus. It's just this awesome outro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. this is another example of those those pop solos really starting to, to percolate. I mean, it, it's, it's he can rip on Center Street and then he comes, turns it around here and just... just this is a melodic line, and I wanted to to bring a um a reference back to 
the first album. I mean, when it hits, when I, when I first heard this song or first reheard this song, um, when it finally hits the first verse, I was just thinking, I've heard that before. And it's, it's feel your love tonight. Here, take a listen. We're getting funny in the back of my car. I'm sorry, honey, if I took it just a little too far. I mean, I don't know if you guys hear it, but like I can hear the evolution of that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. That's where they were. And, and that's, that's the, the, you know, the lyrical content that they were, were, were doing, you know, and, and, and now here they are three albums later, you know, you can hear, I love hearing that in bands. Like I love hearing bits of, of solos or bits of songwriting that you can hear develop over time. And, and that's why we do these. Cause it's just really interesting to me to hear that uh, develop at a discography level. Yeah. And, 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 Doing this as a discography level, you can just kind of get that overall sense, too. And, of course, we know where they're going, but it's so interesting to hear those bits and pieces to hear a band develop over time mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So, well, if you know, it's, you know, obviously they closed out side A pretty strong, you have to say. And we're going to open up side B with a real burner, uh, Unchained. some leg tonight for sure tell us how you do come on Dave give me a break Kevin, before you go, I'm going to have to throw this in here right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Wait for Insane. it. Insane. Oh. Yeah. I, I, well, it's funny because I, uh, <laughs> Mark just got done talking about how Dave is calmed down, and then I play one of Dave's most famous episodes. Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> but it's not that you know. bad. It, it, no, it's no, controlled. it isn't. That's yeah, fine. and, I mean, and from did, what yeah. I from what I've heard too, and I don't even know if this story is true, is that the whole thing was kind of done, you know, recorded on purpose like that. You know, I I don't I don't yeah, know I, how I don't true know. that is if they've done takes on that yeah. before, but yeah, and it's just the riff is a burner, and and yeah. you know one of my favorite parts listening to it back now because I've heard the song so many times is that uh, that ending mm-hmm. lead line. You know, and the way it turns around and then goes into the end, and it's just a small part, but it's one of my favorite yeah, parts. Yeah, there's of the a lot, song. lot of a lot of there's a lot of little stuff on there. Um, I know, I, I think I forgot to say it on uh, Dirty Movies that uh, that like lead line that follows the main riff. Uh, how does it go? Yeah, there's a lot of that. You can see that here where he kind of throws in that little yeah accompanying little lead line, which I. But yeah, this is pretty much the song that probably launched uh, a million MXR flanger pedals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just, I don't think they, there was a better, just as far as pushing that device to its maximum and really, but it's still sounding tight and still, yeah, uh, yeah very tight and clean sounding. Yeah, where there's no kind of flub anywhere. Uh, I just love it. Yeah, it just, yeah, it's just a, it, it just kicks butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would 
I would agree with that. I mean, it's just a monstrous opening. And yeah, Mark, you, you had to play that because that's just so signature. Like, I remember, yeah. you know, when I was younger, having that Best of Both Worlds comp and this song yeah. coming up and just hearing that, you're like, that's like the heaviest thing you had heard at that time. I mean, maybe the first incarnation of, I mean, I know they had done, you know, drop D tunings a little bit earlier on on this record, but... Like that's the first one you really think of, and you just think of that that chugginess and that huge riff. And again, uh, another thing I point to again, if if you get a chance, is to watch that uh, eighty one Oakland footage. It's great because I think uh, Dave has some like little ad, ad lib that he says, and then he jumps he jumps <laughs> off the drum riser and does the splits like twenty feet in the air and lands <laughs> right when they kick in, and it's just so perfect. And yeah, I mean this. This yeah, it makes sense why this is probably the most popular song on the record. It's like the main single, uh, and it's one of those ones where yeah, mm-hmm. it's like how I mentioned on Women and Children first, like how many times I heard and the Cradle will rock, and it's like eh, I could kind of take it or leave it at this point. But this one, it's still great. It's it. it I don't oh, it get is, tired yeah. of it. I completely agree. This, yeah, they, yeah, this is one of those songs that I've heard it a million times, and just that it's it's like it's like breaking the law by Judas Priest. Like, yes, I know it's been played ten thousand times, but, but I just, will yeah. listen to it ten thousand and one, ten thousand yeah. and two. It just, you know, if there's something that is is really interesting to me about that riff, it's that you know it's it's drop C sharp, like it's 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 like we're like one half step away from bottom level heaviness here. It is, like, yeah, and like it's Black Sabbath level, um, you know, in drop in that tuning, but it's still so poppy and still so happy. Like what other band could blend that chugging heavy, just in your face, napalm out of your speakers Mm -hmm. riff. And then just unchained, you know, just like that super poppy chorus that you can sing along to. Yeah. Yeah. The guitar isn't overdubbed. That's just the riff, isn't it? I mean, there is no real studio, uh, uh, trickery with that. Yeah. Just to get that. I mean, not that his tone isn't heavy, but it really just kind of, again, it's one of those, want to sit inside the speaker and just kind of again wrap, wrap yourself around it uh, with like a blanket <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um i'm gonna make a just a quick defense of yeah. where i put like i i choose the sections of the songs to play sometimes just to to, to throw a little interest in there because i i know mark wanted to play the opening riff but sometimes <laughs> i like to to play it in, in a different spot just just you know so we don't get the beginning of every song okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead, one thing i wanted to comment on that i i don't think i really paid much attention to it until maybe later on in, on in my life but if you really listen to the guitar solo in this song i mean you may appreciate it more like being a guitar player because you realize like how probably technically difficult it is and i can't play it so I'm, I'm not defending like i'm a pro or anything but if you listen to the rhythm guitars that are going behind the solo like the da 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 it's sort of like weird like how do you write a guitar solo behind that rhythm and it's kind of off time but somehow just the magic of eddie like every solo he does is perfect and it's not like a simple chord progression where you can just kind of write something in key it's like there's stops and starts and weird timing and he makes it work and and like you said kev that that very ending guitar kind of lead it it's cool if you watch live footage from back then because there was only one guitar player in the band he often would just do a little solo at the very end live and there's cool little ad libs and stuff he'll do live that's different from the record that if you get a chance to check out it's pretty cool so 
uh, you're really selling me on checking out the. I'm telling you, man. I mean, outside because, of the US yeah. festival or this, I mean, those. That's the holy grail. Of, I mean, I hope one day, you know, Eddie decides to finally release that footage if there is more. Uh, I think Michael maybe said that there wasn't, but somebody said that there is. I, you'd have to read about it, but like that's it's the best. Dave, Dave, Dave isn't yeah. completely drunk for all I know, and he's actually singing the words, not like the Us Festival. It's <laughs> yeah. like everybody's. It's perfect. It's the best. Yeah, and and, and you know to to expand on your your solo comment there. I mean, this is really the track that I put down. Just like, yeah, man, he's putting together some pop solos. Like Eddie wants to to just to change the way he's like he. I guess maybe at this point he's just tired. I guess in a way of of showing off what he can do. It's like you know. Hey, I'm just not pyrotechnics. I can write a great pop song. And like, I'm only just saying that because that's the direction I know they eventually headed. Um, but there's this is another one of those moments in this album where you you that outro solo. Like, I don't. I'd have to go back and listen to the the previous three albums and really see if if he even ever did an outro solo. I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, it seems like know. there's like four or five of them mm-hmm. on this album. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right, and, and, and what a way to open up the side of the record too i mean when i flipped mm-hmm. it over today just to throw the needle down just full yeah. right in your face oh, you know on yes. yeah yeah because so. funny enough i mean the album now takes a real drastic turn i mean still very interesting but yeah but this yeah but it kind of yeah it a little throws you off a little bit but yeah uh, a lot to appreciate and, and though thanks for leading us right into our next song that's push yeah. comes to shove yeah I mean, as far as hearing Mike on a mm-hmm. song, I mean, that's it's all about, yeah, it's pretty much all him. That just that funky, yeah, that funky bass line with even a little bit of reggae in there, too. I think that was from what I read, there was a little bit of that influence that they wanted to pull in. Uh, and funny enough, even with uh, the guitar riff, it kind of works. Um, yeah, kind of a very strange track. I mean, as far as just in a, in a mostly muscular record, but I like that they took, yeah, this chance because it, yeah, for the most part, yeah, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of works for the most part. Well, you know what? My, my my first listen to this track, I hear that opening, and I just think, you know, what is this disco crap? You know, like are they oh, going know, kiss? Yeah. Like are they going <laughs> like what? What is that? That you know, like I had hey in 1981, but it, it doesn't go that direction at all. And I just have to say the way that this song eases into itself, like there was a, it was the um the Michael Jackson documentary that was just released right after his death, where they went through the um, the rehearsals and they brought all that footage of him. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. And he described, I don't remember what song it was of his, but he was instructing the singers and, and everyone who was performing that this song should feel like getting up out of bed 
when you're really tired, like like waking up in the morning. And that's what I feel about this song here. Yeah, I love it. Bit. Like and this is this is the Dave Clowning that works so well, this album. Just the mm-hmm. way that just like is, you know, what's in that bottle. Anyone have another cigarette? It's so cinematic. And it's almost like a contrast to dirty movies. It's almost like mm-hmm. like the producer side of dirty movies. You know, kind of like that lounge feel. Yeah. I I I don't know if I'm going out on a limb and saying this, but this is one of my favorite Dave lyrics to date. In in this probably maybe his whole era, but I don't I don't know why. Just like when I listened, I actually sat down and listened to the lyrics, and they really worked. You mm-hmm. know, you know, and we agree. You're leaving. You know, it's it's just very. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's whether the whether it was like a uh, you know a mature a mature take on it or whatever, but it. it Dave really worked here, and everybody did. It's interesting because it almost Eddie takes almost a step back mm-hmm. in a way because yeah. you know you, yeah. we talked about Mike, we talked about Dave here right away. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Alex. You yeah. Good. You know, this is this is a, another one of my favorites. I always kind of loved coming up to this song, listening to the album in full because it's sort of like a, a break in action that kind of slows things down a little bit. And I, I I was doing a little reading in the background, and apparently. Uh, I, I hear that this was Dave trying to cash in on the reggae sort of vibe that was going yeah. on around those years, probably like with the police and stuff like that. Um, Correct. He was yeah. trying to, and, and I never really paid. I, I got more of a disco kind of funk feel, like you mentioned, Mark. But I can also kind of see where he's coming from. But uh, and I was also looking too, like was this one that they ever played live? Because I feel like they've played the majority of this record live. But I think. I read that they played this one at the op- uh, like the first show of the tour, but as one of you mentioned, how it's sort of like a break in action and like a snoozer on the record. I don't know if you said snoozer, but slows it down. That's why they took it out of the live set because everything else is you know full on guns blazing, and then you have this slow sort of groove song, right. and it's like it kind of kills yeah. the vibe. But yeah, I think it's really fun. And, and right. that, my last point yeah, too yeah. that I didn't think of until right now when Kevin was talking. Uh, I know you were a big Little Dreamer fan on Van Halen 1, and I I, I get was, a Little yeah. Dreamer vibe from this song. Just slow and kind of dark and moody and doesn't really change that much. Right. It just kind of even paced the whole way through, and I really appreciate it on this record. Yeah, uh, yeah I think... Uh... Yeah, yeah, this yeah, even being a slower song, I think uh, yeah, this song de- definitely does rely quite a bit on Dave's lyrics, where Eddie and the rest of the band are just kind of it's it's almost just kind of p- pushing the lyrics forward. It's just a very mild kind of uh, kind of melodic, uh, uh, little melodic passage to kind of move the lyrics along. But I do love, it, and I went back and listened to it a few times. The uh, the, the guitar solo at the end is very jazzy. Um, I don't know if the, Mark, if you can cue it up at around two thirty. Um, sure. I, I, I just thought it was uh, uh, it almost had like a weird progressive jazz feel to it um, but I guess yeah he I'm, I'm sure his guitar players you know Alan Holsworth who was kind of like an influential jazz guitar player um, I guess he was hanging around a lot Eddie was hanging out a lot with him during this the making of this record so you can kind of hear that especially in, at the, in this guitar solo on this song it's very different compared to what yeah because it's not really blistering it's very kind of sophisticated I'll pull that up here. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I what I hear in that, I hear Joe Satriani and I hear Richie Kotzen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, def- it's it's definitely a more uh, kind of complex, kind of technical. Yeah, I mean, there's like modal stuff that's going on there, and right, just, exactly. It's, it's, it's a really well constructed One, solo. Yeah, and yeah. I guess yeah, that's what he was shooting for uh, on that. Uh, yeah, just based on what he was listening to. Well, just uh, one, one really small little thing that I, I just picked up on now, because I made that comment earlier about how Dave was trying to kind of cash in on the reggae vibe. If you listen to that little snare, those couple snare hits that, that Alex plays, it kind of sounds like a piccolo snare, like a high-pitched, higher-pitched tune snare that was really common and sort of reggae and ska and stuff. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if that was on purpose. Just a little, really little thing I heard there. And again, that's what I was talking about earlier when I was going the push shove. Uh, that's the I think Center Street was that. I mean, Center you swing. swing, yeah. Center Swing, yeah. Mean Street Center Swing. Done <laughs> <laughs> <Get> it right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think you could have any more contrast between those two songs. And I don't know if they were put in there on purpose or if they picked up that on that in recording and, and placed them that way. But uh, I really like the 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 journey through this album and and uh, that push shove dichotomy (laughs) shown here all right well let's keep on moving here and so this is love I wanted to bring something up there just if you just listen to eddie play there like this you you really hear that like you just feel like that one guy controlling a guitar with the volume knob like it's so it's like the mastery of the instrument i think there's something like you wouldn't put on this song and hear that just on, on first go but like when you hear just like it's the, the finger picking in, mm-hmm. in the verse and you hear the 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 way he just turns up the volume for the chorus like you really feel like it's just that one guy in you know it's so simple i love it like that's just a really great example of eddie and like the solo virtuosic guitarist in a band like that's just a really great example yeah of it. i would agree i i think this might be my second favorite song on the record and i i feel like this one has the it gives me the best like feel good vibe of any song uh it's just like the warm, the warm like, kind of pop it's not it's not my favorite song <laughs> On the record, it's, I mean, Hear About It Later is definitely going to take the cake on this one, but this is very close. And I remember when I first saw them on that, what, 07, 08 tour, I want to say this song was in the set, and I couldn't be more stoked to, like, know that they threw this deep cut in there. I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure they would have thrown this one in there or it was on a a later tour. But And and again, if you get a chance, uh, this is a really cool one that they played at the Us Festival. And there's like a thing where Eddie and Dave walk out on the catwalk kind of in the middle of the crowd. And, you know, they're talking and kind of, you know, joking with the audience and stuff like that. And they do like a big long intro and then eventually they, they kick into it and it's perfect. So I always think of that video when I think of this song. You know what vibes I got from this song? Like Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2 yes. vibes. Summer. Yeah, I don't know. Summer. Maybe swinging, yeah. dancey. Like the, yeah. 
So this yeah. is that. Just it's so perfect. Yeah. yeah. And and I you know I actually you know I at the the one part of the song that struck me were the hand claps, but I, I like them. They hmm. work. You know you feel your love tonight. Something. That's what yeah. this is. Oh okay yeah you know but you just and uh for particularly the I noticed the solo you know I would we don't have to play it or anything but I just it sounded very fluid to me and it it struck my ear when I heard it as well so yeah. Yeah, I had that marked in my notes as far as the, the solo is very fun. It's kind of that quintessential Eddie. Uh, 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 I know. I, I don't know. Were you going to play it or no? Or were we just kind of referencing it? I was just referencing oh, Okay, it. all right. You know, it's funny. You know, when I first uh, heard this song, I mean, I initially thought it was kind of, kind of the most generic rocker on the album, but it wasn't until I started digging into it that I kind of started to appreciate it. I mean, it's a fun sing-along. Um, even with the lyrics, I guess it's... <laughs> Uh, I think one of the few times yeah, where Dave is kind of uh, reflecting on the differences between love and lust. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like again, just starting uh, just with Van Halen in general. I mean, it was something you never really paid attention to the lyrics, but um, on this record, yeah, they kind of like okay, even on kind of the more uh, even more simpler songs, yeah, there's still you got to pay if you pay attention. You know, there's actually some a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, kind of lyrical wit in there. Yeah, I, I think we need to talk about how this album plays out in terms of the track order i mean just that we all were very complimentary of those killer side a and you Mm -hmm. know side b you know you've got two much more introspective songs Mm -hmm. right i mean this this is a deep album i mean to be getting into that like by track eight track nine i know like and kevin when you compare this to van halen one with um yeah uh, um feel your love tonight i mean that's just like a a poppy by the numbers or would become kind of like a paint by numbers 80s rocker which was great because that was track eight of an opening album that's that's good but i think it's much more mature when it shows up here on fair warning you know what's uh interesting about the track order is i just sent a a picture to alex of the back of the vinyl today and uh you know he let me know too that it's not on just on this album but you know and vinyls have had this on on the backs before, where it, the the order that's listed is not the order that's yep. actually yep. pressed on the vinyl. And I I kind of almost wondered. I'm like, eh, I I wonder what the album would be like if uh, that was the track order. And I don't yeah. have it in front of me now. I was thinking but. that exact same thing too. Like I I'm looking. I was going to mention this uh, for the women and children first, but I'm looking at it here and just to name a couple. It, it opens up with Tora Tora. Then and the cradle will rock. Then Romeo delight, and it's just and and the, and the album ends with everybody wants some, which is weird. And then yeah, you look at um, you look at fair warning, and uh, again the track listing is different. Then I know also for like OU812, it's it's different. I'm like, why why did they do that? Are they trying to confuse people or? Did like, yeah, or did like Eddie want the track listing to be that way, but he couldn't get it to be that way. So he's like, well, I'm going to get it like that somehow. So I'm going to put it on the back of the record. I think you got it there. (laughs) I think that's the comment there. That's because, I mean, you had no choice but to listen to these songs in this order. There was, there was absolutely no way with the technology at the time to listen to anything in, in like, there's no shuffle. There's no skip that didn't, I mean, you could skip with a record manually, but you know this this is not uh, you know Spotify radio, so that the, yeah. the the order they put it in was the order you were experiencing right. it, which is you know that's uh, you know not being a snob here or anything, but sometimes I do sit like sitting down and listening to the vinyl just because yep, it's sir. very much the way somebody would have listened to the album back when it came out, so yeah, and let's uh 
let's start closing out this vinyl here with Sunday Afternoon in the Park. No, I, I, I can't hear that opening. And like, like you know, we're we're from Chicago, and I, you know, I, I grew up a Bulls fan. I know that oh, Michael wow. Jordan documentary is is air. Yeah, and and I, I hear um, the Bulls intro music. I just hear like yeah, I know it's down tempo and everything, but that synth sound is just. And you know what I hear with this? Like this sounds like '90s video game music. I was gonna yeah, say, like Doom. I wrote perfect yeah, or like dark. Doom. <laughs> yeah, Doom. Yeah, I yes. like, I, I don't know if that. Like that's a compliment or not? Because like this was 1981, so it's like, like if you were making this in like 2003, you're a dork. But like if you're doing this in 1981, I, I feel like you you have to give him some credit. It was funny. I was marking out all of the different kind of like issue areas that I have in this song. And there's quite a bit actually. It's just it sounds, <laughs> especially on the lower end of the sonic spectrum. I mean, it sounds like a clogged drain like when you're unclogging it like <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it kind of does yeah i was gonna throw out like for this episode use that as the flush sound yeah just with the let low kind of gurgling sound <laughs> it's just weird i mean it, again it's probably i don't know i think it could i mean if there's a speed bump on here uh yeah even more so than uh like tora tora which i kind of like for what I, that was more of a traditional rock and uh kind of instrumental but this is just kind of a too, maybe a little bit too experimental for this record it, in, a, in a record full of very sophisticated kind of introspective pieces and then you have this weird kind of yeah like bubbling kind of weird like oh i, I think some somebody uh, referenced like gary newman or even early yeah. or even like craft work uh, just a very mm-hmm. a very kind of fundamentalist like electronica which i and i don't think it worked I'll defend it though. It's 1981. You know, you yeah. know what though? I it's I'm gonna go back to Mark's comment from last album. Get your experiments off my vinyl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds it like it, you know. I okay. So I appreciate for what it was for 1981, but mm-hmm. what messing around with a synthesizer like Yes hadn't done that since the 70s. Right. Like it's it sounds like I found myself a, a cool synthesizer yeah. back when I was 10 and we're right. turning knobs. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll have to agree on that. I know on uh, Women and Children first, you guys were kind of slamming the Torah Torah and lost lost control, which which I get, and I defended them because I felt like, oh well, you know, it's kind of this cool little fun, not to be taken too seriously, kind of interlude and like goof off jam track. But since this is my favorite record, I think I might have to agree with you guys on this point where. Like, these last two songs, and I know we're not at the last song yet, but it's like everything was so perfect, and then these last two, in a way, kind of... They definitely don't ruin the album. Like, I, I appreciate them, and, and for the longest time, I didn't know that that was synth, or I did, but I think maybe it's because there's, like, live... You know, Michael Mike kind of incorporates that, like, riff into his like concert bass solo so i always thought well maybe this is mike's like thing to you know what i mean yeah or whatever you want to call it it's like that that's his thing to shine but it's just like yeah we don't we don't need it like i would have rather heard like a spanish fly or like a cathedral or something like eddie doing something like we don't need this well well here's the thing too is that 
you know, we're, we're two records off of the jump record. And I remember seeing, uh, a sh- I wanted to watch, like, I, I love jump and I know it's overplayed, but like, I wanted to say, I was learning the solo. I want to see it live. And so I go and, you know, kind of in the spirit of all this live discussion, I don't remember what it, it, uh, show it was, but it, I think it was in Canada somewhere, but it was Eddie playing jump live on the, the 1984 tour. And oh God, like, when's he going to get, I want to see him play that solo. And he plays it on a keyboard. Um, and I, I don't like, I, 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 was, I was like, that was a waste. Like I, I didn't want to, like, I would feel ripped off. If I went to, to see Van Halen and, and he's playing his solos on keyboard. And it just, this, this really shows that like he is getting into the keyboards now. Like he wants to play like for whatever reason he's bored. He like, he's accomplished everything. Like I've, I've read this about Van Halen before, like Eddie, that, that, you know, he was the most innovative guitarist in the world. And then he just hit a brick wall and just like, didn't want to do it anymore. And like, this is this kind of like this track right here really, I think puts it out there. Like he wanted to write a synth song and it was going to be on the album. I don't care what you guys think of it. Like you're going to sit through this. It sounds like, like, uh, like a concert opener, like, like before the brand, the band comes out, like you like this starts playing in the mm-hmm. background. Right. Yeah. I think this song is another, as far as in the Dave Eddie battle where it's like, okay, like Eddie's like, okay, this is him fires shot or whatever. Yeah. It's like, or yeah, throw in. Yeah, or, or you're throwing the first bomb out. Yeah, it's like, well, I'm doing keyboards. I don't care what you. Yeah, not that, <laughs> yeah. I, that anybody, uh, not that any of the fans knew what was going on, but I mean, you can probably sense, yeah, that this is more of Eddie just trying to take control of the direction of the band, uh, where it's like, okay, by just subtly throwing in. A, I mean, he probably could have chosen a better patch, like I said before. I mean, but yeah, I just think it was uh, not as well constructed a weird little piece as it could have been. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I think it could have been left off the album. <laughs> well, let's right. close it out. Yeah, let's let's close this thing out with one foot out the door. funny for such a weird almost spinal tap tempo kind of song uh i don't know why it made me think of it like a david st hubbins kind of uh yeah it's just a very weird and again it's got that stupid like in the previous track that weird kind of synth riff i just can't get into but funny enough that so that guitar solo holy crap is that a great it's just a muscular kind of like okay where like you, you take that solo and that's where you put it you save it for that right. <laughs> and it's like half the song too i mean it's not like it's one it's like yeah, yeah, it was uh, yeah split between two different parts. Uh, yeah, pretty much yeah the whole second half. Uh, but it's just a very weird kind of. I mean, the, the definition of disjointed, where you got very kind of like like meh, and then it's like wow, okay, that's a weird uh, like kind of like okay, that's kind of a weird place to hide that solo. Yeah, yeah, for being such a weird. And again, it's got that kind of like loss of control. Mm-hmm. It's got that weird blistering kind of punk at it. But I again, it just didn't translate and dave it's just the way that dave delivers the lyrics i just can't uh. right. yeah I, I, i'll agree when yeah. i was younger like listening to this record i kind of hated this song it just like it just seemed like a throwaway like what is this weird song at the end where there's not like a really great catchy melody to it it's just, it's just like dave trying to force stuff in there and make it work but then i gotta defend it because as part of your truth truth or lies question was they literally wrote this as they were like 
wrapping up at the studio that day and they're just like, oh, well, let's see what we could throw down real quick as we're, you know, leaving the studio. So if I think about it that way and you think about how great Eddie Solo is on this, that he just, who knows, this is probably unplanned, just off the cuff. It's it's cool. And, and I've definitely gained a, a better appreciation for it over the years. And it's it's kind of like a cool little weird track. But I feel like... Yeah, like you said, it's it's sort of like a loss of control of fair warning, but done worse than I I, I think a loss yeah, of control yeah, right. like that idea where it's just like oh let's just do something kind of weird and throw it on there. I, I think it was performed better on that record than here. Yeah. But you know, uh, and this is uh, I think a point that Alex made last uh, on Women and Children first. This you know you can rip it, but what else yep. did they have? I mean, they've already put out, you know, seven, eight, you know, I'm not going to spoil any Love It or Flush It yet, but I mean, yeah. there's some solid songs up to this point. And, yeah. And, you know, if they're going to have a clunker, like, you know, everyone's going to have that. And, and you know, I don't I don't know that you'd throw it out considering that what else might have been better. I think, Alex, you talked about that with Lost Control specifically, yeah. that um, I don't know what else they had. So, you know, the, the, it's, could you really mm-hmm. throw it out just on that? And if it was good enough, if the solo was good enough for it to be on the album, then, hey, let's mm-hmm. put it on there. Right. You know, and I feel like this there's this is I don't know how long this total album is, but they really backed off on some of the long songs and maybe they just wanted to get to that 40 minutes so people mm-hmm. didn't feel ripped off. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know. Oh, it's, you, it's, you could tell that these songs are definitely less long than yeah, so the last not, album. Nine songs right. thirty-one minutes, as it says on Spotify here. Yeah, which is which is yeah, which is I think it was that longer than the first record. Uh, let me... I can which which is the shortest of the first yeah. of the or was it this one or was it second. or was it Van Halen right, so, one? So uh, debut, what are we looking at? Uh, Thirty-five minutes, uh, and then Van okay. Halen yeah, two. So is, we're yeah. not gonna. So Van Halen two was ten songs, thirty-one minutes, and then Women and Children first is nine songs, thirty-three, and then okay. Fair Warning is nine and thirty-one. So uh, I would have never thought that they were that close in time, considering Women and Children first had some songs pushing right. six minutes. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, let's let's get let's let's get on to love it and flush it, uh, or or flush it, uh, Alex. Um, the order is Kevin, Mark, Chris, Alex, and Alex. You have an extra f- uh, buy or an extra terminate. All right. Well, Kev, let's open it up with Mean Street. Well, we're going to give it a love or a flush. I am definitely going to give this one a love. Uh, killer riff, you know, like we stated before, and just such a solid way to open the album. Okay. Next. Um, I like the song. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to love it. I mean, it, it, it's 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 too good. Not, uh, I mean, I'm not a fan of the intro. Um, I'm not sure if I like the darker Van Halen that much. And um, you know, it's a little bit longer, probably because of the intro. But yeah, I mean, I, it's too good to flush. So I gotta love it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, same here. Yeah, it's just yeah, just a very interesting intro, very muscular, almost like tapping a bass, and then just that riff. Yeah, in all its yeah incarnations. Yeah, whether it was that first time you hear it or in the or in the verses. Yeah, it's just a waggery uh, riff. Yeah, that just kind of makes you want to strut. Yeah, yeah, very good, very Dave esque. Yeah, it was perfect for that yeah. uh, for the for the for his the story of the song. Yeah, they, I don't think you could have uh, written a better riff for it. Yeah, I would agree. I, yes, I, I love, love this. I, I love this one as well, and definite perfect opener for the record, and introduces that sort of new tapping technique that Eddie hadn't shown before on anything else. And yeah, that 
sleazy riff halfway through the dancey riff and then just the opening monster riff so it's a love for me so all right and then we'll move on to track two uh dirty movies kevin your thoughts all right uh lyrics aren't enough to ruin it for me even though you know i don't mind them except for that one bit um but yeah the, the riff and the rhythm playing and is just so good i love it okay mark i love it as well um it's just not uh uh you know a song that i would have liked before but now just with the uh the maturity of the band and just in the context of the rest of the album i love it okay and then chris yeah same here yeah i love it yeah just uh the, the lyrics in conjunction with a much more again not not blistering but just very muscular and subtle and i think it serves the story very well it makes it again it brings about that kind of seedy kind of not, not necessarily sexy but it just has that kind of yeah, it, it it lifts what otherwise could have been kind of just a goofball like uh, sex song, and it's a lot more than that. Shockingly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and I'll agree with that too. I mean, one that I maybe kind of push back in my mind when I was really listening to this record when I was younger. I, you know, I liked it, but it wasn't you know a, a super favorite. Um, but yeah, just listening to it more over the years and that that slow build up into that just that ferocious sort of you know rock and jam part that they do and then uh this was another one where they played it i think on that last like 2012 or 2015 tour so watching it performed live was really cool it made me appreciate it more so a love for me so and then we'll move on to what do we got next uh sinner swing kevin i am gonna give this a love I probably wouldn't have maybe a couple of years ago, but yeah, getting into this and when we did the discussion and the breakdown, yeah, I'm going to give this a love. Okay, Mark? I really wish I wasn't such a boob when it came to trivia and Van Halen because like <laughs> I might be able to get myself an extra buy um, because this song is incredible, Van Halen. Like it, it just, this, the drumming, the solo, you know, I bought Romeo's Delight last album. Um, the the song structure but i i think there's just better stuff on this album so i'm just gonna have to love it i can't yet buy it right fair enough All right and chris uh yeah i love it too again it's got almost yeah it's got that real kind of fun kind of loving kind of riffage that you see later even more on like 1984 uh mm-hmm. again the again yeah it's uh, another kind of uh dave bean playing the prowler type of song but it uh but again yeah it's, it's got a little bit more again it's not going to the party and having fun it's going to the party and kind of reflecting on what you're doing necessarily like okay what's uh instead of just kind of going about it without yeah just uh organically uh and uh yeah i just love that yeah it's just again it's got the heavy blistering riff with the yeah, the more kind of in-depth lyrical writing uh for a song like right, this right, and i just right. yeah i just love it yeah i'm giving it the love Cool. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say the same. Yeah, just it, it's always been a a favorite. Uh cool to see that they played it live back in the day and and fun to you know, look at old live footage and and bootlegs and stuff like that to hear it. So, yeah, just it's perfect song to follow dirty movies and it's a love for me. So, uh and then moving on to hear about it later, Kev, your thoughts. I am going to buy this song. This is this go. is definitely my buy. Uh, just, man, it's the the riff, the opening, mm-hmm. the lyrical content, the song structure. It works, and it is a highlight of a great album. This Perfect. is a tough one for me again. 
wishing I could have extra um, change in my pocket to buy this. You know, it, it is probably I'll, I'll I'll agree with Alex that it's one of the best Van Halen songs written. It's one of the, um, you know, uh, most balanced songs in terms of just like you could really just show somebody like this is all Van Halen can do. Um, I have a reason for not buying it, um, but that's only because something else is so good. So I am just going to love it. OK, awesome. Yeah. And then Chris. Yeah, same here. It's just again, it's a very tight and muscular song. Again, it's not blistering, but it's another kind of very, very real feel song Yeah, from the clean uh, intro to that very yeah just kind of yeah very kind of like yeah just stop and riff yeah it's not yeah it's it's not it doesn't tear you apart but it just kind of takes you kind of pulls you along on this on the journey so yeah okay. uh, um but i want hey mark uh did you say for this one that i get an extra buy you do okay uh i just remember now um so i get so i have two buys technically two buys or two terminates use okay. them wisely Okay. Um I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy this one. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Awesome. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I mean, like I said in the very beginning of the episode, it's like my, my favorite Van Halen song, I think, ever this and in a simple rhyme or, or up there for favorite Dave era, and this is got might be my favorite Van Halen song ever. So this is a definite buy for me. Uh, I just think it's perfect like you said it encapsulates everything that this band does well so easy buy for me so okay and then we'll move on to opening of side two or side b and that's unchained kev you know it's funny when i was listening to this this time around i was almost thinking about giving it a flush but i'm not going to i'm, I'm gonna love oh come song. on <laughs> <laughs> only because of the the overplayed sure aspect yeah. of it you know it's just the, like I, I put it on the riff is great and then i dig into it and i'm like yeah i've heard this but you know when i, when I go back and analyze it again and break it apart yeah i love the song this okay. song awesome. is music like if there's anything that defines music to look cool to yeah (laughs) this is it like this is a song like i want people to see me listening to this song it is that cool so i am going to buy it that opening riff is that that opening riff like puts it past cure about it later like i would have bought here about later but that opening riff is so good i think that that riff alone puts it ahead of it so that's a buy for me Uh, yeah funny enough yeah i'm gonna use my uh other buy uh this is kind of one of the first uh van halen songs i really that kind of solidified my love of the band i mean like i said it was my ringtone for probably two or three years uh so i heard it quite a bit but never yeah it's just the muscular nature of that song and the riff i don't know what they what he did to get it yeah as far as the mic uh micro recording process but yeah it just it punches through the speakers, yeah, like unlike a lot of their songs. So yeah, uh, I'm buying that one too. Sweet. Okay. And then yeah, this is this is a love for me. I, I don't know if I would go as far to say I'd buy it. I totally understand, you know, why people would. And you know, obviously Van Halen felt that to be the case because they put it on, you know, their greatest hits albums and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I totally agree with your point there, Mark. You know, it, it's a very yeah, you know, music to look cool to. Like, I, I totally hear that. And it's such a ferocious riff and very impressionable on me when I was young hearing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give it a love for sure. So, 
Okay, and then moving on to track six, uh, Push Comes to Shove. Kev? If I had a second buy, I'd use it here, but I can't. I just love wow. it. Wow. So, yeah. You know me. Me and the oddball Van Halen song. Uh, sure. Y- you mentioned Little Dreamer, but yeah, I love this song. Awesome. Yeah, this song gets better every time I listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I would consider buying it if I had a second buy, but it definitely, like that, the the whole solo section, like you guys just playing that back for me, bringing that up, that just is an incredible solo from from Eddie. So I, yeah. I can love it only because I can't buy a second. Right. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, just for the sheer experimentation that actually succeeds here, along with the story, along with that. Yeah, it's, it's one of the few... Ex- real experiments that they did that wasn't traditional Van Halen that actually worked. I mean, yeah, there were everything. Yeah. Not a lot of, uh, showing off necessarily you can see like Mark said earlier on as far as the guitar solo. It's like, it's like a normal solo. It's not like a, like a typical Eddie, like tapping. Yeah. Sporadically. Uh, it's actually like something you'd hear from, uh, I think, what did you say? Like, a, uh, like a Joe Satriani or, or even like Cotton. in the 70s, yeah, or, or Rick Cotson, yeah, right, uh, uh, yeah, it's very, but that's kind of where Eddie's headspace was, yeah, I think he was listening to a lot of that back then, so, uh, awesome. yeah, I, I give it that, I'm gonna give it the love, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I'll give it a love for the same reasons you guys do it, just, it's, it's a cool, cool vibe, it's a nice little break in the record, I think they do everything well on it, N- you know, not enough to buy but yeah it shows a cool part of the band and if they were trying to go for like a reggae sort of funk disco vibe i think they nailed it perfectly on this one so i'll give it a look and then uh moving on to so this is love kev what are your thoughts um this this is love uh because i I love this song yeah (laughs) no No, yeah. I do love this song. I appreciate it for being kind of one of the happier songs on the album. Just as a slight change of pace, and it just it works so well, you know that that we said before. So yeah, awesome. All right, Mark. Terminate from existence. Wow. Okay. Terminate. So this is love. Terminate. Wow. All I hate right. the chorus. Hey. I hate it. It's personal preference. I get why you'd like it. You know, I'm not putting anybody down who who loves it or buys it, whatever. I, I can't do that chorus. I try not to tip my hand listening to, uh, in the track by track, but like for everything that Unchained was, and I want people to see me listening to this song, <laughs> I do not want people seeing me. <laughs> like, this is love. Okay. <laughs> wow. It sounds like so Phil you- Collins, and I love Phil Collins, but yeah, no, yeah. terminate it. Yeah, I. Okay. It was funny. This when I first started, or when I went through this record the first time, I did consider getting rid of this because I just initially I thought it was a very generic uh, kind of yeah, presentation compared to all the more sophisticated riffage on the record. Uh, but as far as just a fun kind of, I mean, like I said, it doesn't make me feel like I want to kill it. Uh, but uh, but I'll I'll give it a little bit of love. Again, it was something that kind of grew out over time. It wasn't a. Uh, it was a love that yeah needed to develop over time. Over time. Yeah, you, I, you had me scared there. No, I, I, yeah. I, I'm not gonna well, kill it. I, I would, I would have yeah, uh, about a week ago. I, I was thinking about it, uh, but uh, I kind of started to appreciate it for what it is. Um, all right, yeah. all right, Kev, I'll, I'll make you feel a little better. This is going to be my second buy of the record. Whoa! But, yeah, I wouldn't do. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> just because it, just because it was like. You know, this and hear about it later were my favorite songs from this record mm. growing up. And I just think of those those 
you know, consecutive nights during the week where I would just stay up and just watch that Us Festival show like every night and obsess about it. And especially when I got to this song, I like vividly remember everything about it. And it's just such a good feel good song. And, you know, it starts off just on bass and Eddie just doing his little kind of finger picked stuff. It's I don't know. It's it's a perfect feel good track on this rather dark record. And like you said, it does kind of. If anything was going to be on Van Halen 1 or Van Halen 2, it would probably be this one with the summary kind of vibe. So this is by number two for me. Mark, so. a, a, a rebuttal from Mark. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that's why I was so shocked. I'm like, man, he's going to kill this one from exi- Wishes yeah. they never wrote Bro. this song. Think I, about what you're doing here, Mark. Yeah, you, you, you wish they never wrote So This Is Love, but you wish yeah. they wrote Sunday Afternoon in the Park. Yeah. Swing yeah, I, is a much better California vibe, in my opinion. I feel like that. Okay. All right. All right. I used my terminate, so. All right. Hey, I can't argue with it. Okay. All right. Let's move on to Sunday afternoon in the park, Kev. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I don't think anything needs to be said. (laughs) Yep. All right. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Get your Uh, experiments off my vinyl. Uh, I I flush it. First flush. Yeah. Okay. All right, Chris. Yeah, I'm gonna. uh, Yeah, I'm gonna terminate it. It's still going. It hit the bottom and it terminated. We're just kicking on when he's down at this point. Yeah, I don't think we need to. Yeah, to regurgitate. Uh, yeah, any. Yeah. You, you, you don't want to put the glove on. Put, put the, the glove on and go back down there. And <laughs> oh, grab gonna, it? Oh, I, I think we're all out of buys, so nobody's yeah. buying. Yeah. Chris isn't going to the water reclamation plant and <laughs> sifting through it for it. Right. Okay. All right. Fair. All right. Well. Is this on me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to flush this one. I mean, like I said, I, I can find appreciation for it, but. Yeah. Or you can just. I'm just like, it. everything is so strong and good up until this point, and then it gets here, and it's like, all right. All right. Well, maybe it'll get better after this. So. <laughs> we'll, 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 what a we'll combo, see. though. I, th- I think somebody's got to tweet Eddie. <laughs> got to terminate yeah, a flush, yeah. a terminate a flush. Right, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, a cool, it's a cool. Your experiment it's a, sucks, Eddie. Get it off my cool, vinyl. It's a cool vibe. It paints a scene. Yeah. Like I'd appreciate it, but like I just, it, I don't think. It okay, okay. I got, I got to throw this thing because we didn't talk, yeah. go on the track by track. But like Alex, you made such a good opinion on Tora Tora, which I believe I did terminate, and if I didn't, I flushed it. Um, but at least it fit within the like the Iwo Jima, like the bombs going coming down, going into mm-hmm. lost control. This goes nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get, like, a kind of dystopian sort of, like, Blade Runner sort of vibe yeah. from this song. And, and honestly, when I look at the album cover, just with the kind of dark brown and black and, like, the guy smashing his head against the wall, and I just picture, like, a rainy night in, like, New York City, yeah. like, going down a abandoned alleyway and you're, like, going to get mugged or something mm-hmm. like that. I just, th- I just think of that when I hear this song. And it's yeah, cool because it paints that vibe, but it, I just... It, 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 it wasn't as successful. Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, for, yeah, plus, for, me, yeah for me, it still and plus, Yeah, go ahead. The, and the fact that it's, like, at the very end of the record, like, at least Tora Tora, it, I think of it kind of leading into Loss of Control and it, it, it gets in and gets out, but, like, this is at the very end and then the fact that the song that precedes it doesn't really help matters. Right, yeah, it's just, a very <laughs> weird place to put it, yeah. 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 So, it's, it's like what, it's so, like a meal that was good, and then you ate something bad right at the end, and it sticks <laughs> in your mouth. It's a yeah. leftover. 
It's like a, right. it's like a gross leftover. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like, like it's it's pleasant. It sounds good, but just like you know, in the uh, grand scheme. Of you know things. what? It, you know what? All right. You know what it sounds like? I'll just throw this in. It's like you took like our toilet flush and you ran it through a synthesizer. <laughs> that's what you get. <laughs> kind of. You, you turn yeah. it down. Yeah. You get that kind of bubbly. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. But anyway. All right. Yeah. So let's move on to the very last track. One foot out the door, Kev. Well, you know, you can tell Eddie that I sanded his experiments off the end of my vinyl. Because yeah. I'm flushing it. I, I just Do don't. I, I, I just don't. I, I don't think it works. It, the solo yeah. or not, you know, yeah. I'm I'm never gonna reach for this this song. Never ever am I gonna no. reach for it. You know, I, and, I, and, and and sorry, Mark, to cut you off. Um, just through all my babble there, I don't remember if I actually gave my final vote on the last track through all that. But Sunday afternoon in the park would be a terminate. Oh, oh, so. That would yeah. be all right. So, Mark, go ahead. I just wanted to get that in there. <laughs> sure. Important to know. Um, I yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a uh, yeah, this is definitely a flush. Um, go ahead, pull that handle. <laughs> 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 Goodbye. Yeah. Are we, are we, are we, are we One foot down yeah, the I, drain, I should say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same thing for me. I flush it, and I have run out of gloves, so I'm not going to save it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. For, yeah, for what, this what a, one, way, what a way to end a great record. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terminate in a flush. flush yeah. yeah. This one, I'm I'm just going to give it a flush, just because. Oh. Yeah. The, the, I'll say if I had two terminates, I you know it's weird. It, it's weird to me because when I was younger, listening to this record, this was like my least favorite song. And this would have been an easy terminate for me, and I would have saved Sunday afternoon in the park. But now I think I flip them just because I don't know. I, I I can appreciate the fact that they wrote this like at the last minute with not a lot of thought, and the solo is cool. So that saves it from a termination for me. No, so okay. because this is, I mean, you look at the chart here, and it's all loves and buys, and our first flush doesn't come until. I mean, everyone terminated flush the last two. Like, would it have been better? Had they just, would these songs have been more acceptable? Had they stuck them in the middle of that incredible uh, side A or somewhere in between Unchained and Push Gubs out? Like, or, I mean, because they couldn't cut it at So This Is Love because the album would be like 28 minutes at that point. Yeah. No. no I, I don't know right. if it would, the album would have been better, though. Like, it, it would, it, would it have been better as an EP? Yeah, because that's down to what, eight, seven songs then? Yeah, if we would have yeah. cut the last two. Okay. Um, yeah, what what constitutes an EP? Like, what is that? Is that anything below eight songs? Or um, I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what the. Not a record. Yeah. <laughs> Could they have uh, used well, a cover? Uh, I don't know. Instead they, they of one the, of those, maybe. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Go well, ahead. Here, here's what I think of. So, I mean. I, I don't know if I should say obviously, but to me, and, and I'm, maybe you guys will agree, but the Sunday afternoon in the park, one foot out the door, is the Torah Torah loss of control. Oh, yeah. Of fair warning. And the fact that they put those in the middle of that record, uh, if you re- go back to the last episode, I I showed more love for those songs, and it worked in the middle, but maybe they tried doing that again with these two songs, and they realized, well... Let's just put them at the very end. So if anything, it's like it's on the way out, one foot out the door. It's it's on the way out of the record. Just yeah. throw them at yeah, the very literally, end. And literally, may, yeah. 
maybe people <laughs> won't even get that far and hear it. Like they're putting it at the back because it's the least. Well, I don't know. You I know, mean, the worst songs. There's a lot of investment. I mean, in this record up until that point. I mean, I, I didn't get tired until yeah that. <laughs> I mean, where it's you know, like, where it's like right. well, I want to see what's coming next, and then you have this weird gurgling right. electronica, like, okay, this is weird. You uh, know what I could see maybe working is closing outside A with Sunday afternoon in the park and one foot out the door, closing outside B. Even though maybe. it would be two, two weird yeah. closers on each side, yeah. you'd yeah. still get the hear about it later. Sunday afternoon in the park, and then open up with Unchained. Yeah, you know, it's, you know it's, it's funny. I mean, I'm still terminating it, but I like what Alex said about uh, Sunday in the park, because it does, it does kind of, when you, th- when you hear that song, you do kind of think of the album cover. It's a very dark, kind of dense, uh, but I just wish they would have, I don't know, I just wish they would have kind of worked on it maybe a little bit more. Uh, I can definitely agree with Kevin's reordering yeah. there, because yeah, when yeah. you're coming into Unchained, off that, you know, like that, you would accept the weirdness because it's just like, I mean, it just imagine how that might work live. Like, mm-hmm. like when I said it, it just seems like one of those yeah. little live tracks that open up a band. Every band's got their their, their right. uh, little, you know, blur maybe, that they play. Yeah, like if yeah. they did that and then yeah. it just hit Unchained riff, like right. I think that would just be so. And maybe, better. and maybe that's the problem with Sunday in the Park. I mean, where it's just of where it is. Maybe that's where it's just as far as where that was. It's almost kind of like that's like why was it put there it's almost like it should be it should start something not and yeah okay so let's talk uh, it's a new feature for this uh, episode but you know quickly going through kevin mark and uh chris alex what is the high point of the album what is our 30 second iso that we're taking from this kevin i'm gonna go with something a little different maybe um, but it's going to be that whole intro part to Dirty Movies. So the first about 30, 40 seconds of that, the clean into that riff. Okay. And just uh, to keep in mind here that we're debating this, there's only going to be one selection. So oh. I am going to go with um, Sinner Swing and the solo oh, wow. section. Just because that solo just rips. It sounds like his guitar is having a seizure. It is just maximum yeah. tapping. I think that that it really like, especially if we're thinking about this in the context of being a pick me up from women and children first, that is my high point of the album. Okay. Um, yeah. For me, uh, yeah, tonight it seems like we're going to be having some debating here. Hopefully we don't run out <laughs> too far over. Um, yeah. Just pretty much. Yeah. Just like the first yeah, minute of uh, hear about it later. And it's just, it's very unique. It shows just the versatility of Eddie as a guitar player. I mean, the clean leaking into the heavy, and uh, just really setting the mood. And I, I just thought that was yeah, probably one of the most unique things he did in those early years. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was a highlight, a really big highlight in an era of a lot of highlights. Uh, but I just, yeah. yeah, I think that just for sure, sure versatility, I think that really represented what he was capable of. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, too. I mean, that's my, being my favorite song yeah. that they've done. I, I would put that yeah, any, everywhere from the intro up through the verse. Uh, and then, you know, hitting that first chorus, I think, would be it. Uh, Mark, I, I see where you're getting at with Sinner's Swing. Uh, I did read somewhere, too, I forgot who it was. I think maybe Billy Corgan or something said that this, you know, Sinner's Swing, that opening riff, is sort of the, like, epitome of the record. Like, if if you were to sum up the whole record in, like, one riff or one tone, it would be that. And ever since I read that, I in a way am bound to agree with that because it's dark and nasty but also there's sort of like a poppiness to it at times it doesn't get too dark there's like a sinisterness to it so 
I know I'm kind of going back on what All I right, said. Well, but let, let's let's plan yeah. back to back. I'll play my yeah, section, maybe, and then maybe. I'll play. Here we go. Let's let's. We got to yeah. come to a consensus here. So here's oh, no Sinner Swings. Mine. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well. And here is Chris and Alice. Kevin, since you're kind of in between here, what what are your thoughts? As much as I love that singer swing solo, and I do see your point, I have to agree with Chris and Alex on this one. I I do really like, and I feel that encapsulates this entire album that, yeah. that intro. But it's just I mean, Eddie, though. Like it's it's not the group. No, I know, but it's just it, it showed that they could they could do something or they could succeed in doing something different like that. I mean, cause uh, center swing. I mean, I love that song as much as you do, uh, but it's just, it's very typical Van Halen. Uh, I, I, it, it didn't really offer any, I mean, it just offered a great kind of just like high five, like, fuck yeah, let's go. And yeah. Uh, but um, as far as just like, okay, wow, that's, that's different. That's something I've, I haven't heard before. And it's very musically. Yeah. Uh, uh, very well constructed. Um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that it just, yeah, it just, it's, uh, it kind of, yeah, you kind of have glass to it. Yeah, it just, uh, it's, it's, it's heavy, uh, but it's subtle at the same time, and it kind of paints a picture. Uh, 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 not that the other songs don't. I just think it's a more, it's probably one of the more unique, uh, yeah, paintings of the album. Uh, uh, out of what the nine songs on there, it just, yeah, it's the most unique for me. And I, I might agree with you, Mark, if if you had picked maybe a slightly different section, just because I think the section you picked, it's easy to get lost in the fact that the solo feels like all Eddie too. And I know the drums, drums are rocking, and I know that Mike is rocking too, but Eddie's really in your face there too. So yeah. Well, I mean, I also yeah, wanted I, to include the <clears throat> get 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 out and push, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I guess ahead, maybe Alex. I. I guess maybe I wasn't really following the the rules so much. on what you said, you, you said only thirty. So, I mean, I I was saying everything up from the clean intro through the the first like just the first, yeah, just like maybe like the first like minute or so of that song. But yeah, I guess if you're bringing it down to like thirty seconds, well, I don't know because there's no vocals yet, and huh. I don't well. know. I think because we have three, because we have three on um, this part here on here about a later, I think that's going to be our winner. Okay, like All for right. our for our opening ISO. So, uh, it, like, and I, you know, I, I see the arguments in that it's um, you know it definitely represents like I'm looking at the YouTube video now with the album cover and like you really just feel that depth of of you know matching what's on the mm. album cover and you know I, I think it represents the turn that the band took at this time. So yeah, that that's our ISO. Sweet. All right. Sounds good. 
So um, adding a little bit of uh, uh, thoughts here, too, with the closing, now that we've been through basically our first four albums here, um, let's go inverse, love it or flush it order. Preference, let's order those albums uh, in uh, best to worst. So, Alex. Well, this is definitely going to be best for me. This is, this is number one. Uh, then what do we do? Maybe Van Halen 2 second. Van Halen three, and then Women and Children first, last. Okay. Just because I've heard Van Halen one so many times, I mean, I'm I'm sorry to hurt anybody's feelings with that one, but that's just where I stand on it. But I mean, there's no denying it. But that's how I order it. Chris. Yeah. Funny enough, after going through all these, and I, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, yeah, for a long time, Women and Children first would have been my number one. But after really digging into it. Um, yeah, funny enough, it's not anymore. I mean, probably the first record is probably my number one. Uh, you know, it's just a personal thing. I mean, they're all great records, but uh, that's still the one that really connects with me. Uh, second, probably Fair Warning now. Yeah, I really, because it's, it's a great, I mean, because I love deep cuts, and this is a great heavy deep cut record. Like, like good deep cuts, not like, uh, it kind of reminds me, like, when I, just how much I love Rush, like, we're digging into a deep cut, like, Rush album. Yeah, it just has that kind of impact for me. Uh, number three, probably, um, uh, I would say probably women and children first, uh, and then number four, uh, Van Halen too. Yeah. Interesting. You couldn't be, uh, you could bring that, uh, women and children first all the way down from favorite to last, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I could see it. I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Van Halen two as my opener, um, as my favorite album of these four, just being that, um, I mean, they're all good. I mean, this is one I think that. I appreciate great musicianship, and I think the band is just locked in tight on that album. And it's 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 probably the biggest jump for me in terms of Van Halen albums that I had paid attention to to Van Halen's um that I you know now love. Um, then you know I think Fair Warning it's running neck and neck with that. Just I think there are more songs on Fair Warning that I like. Um, uh, you know it's just it's, a, it's a very deep album, and I think Alex you know yeah you know really convinced me, and you know just in terms of just like you know bringing this to my attention, I really like it. Um, and then I have to go Van Halen one and Woman and Children first, uh, bringing up the rear. Kevin, all right. Uh, you know it's funny because when Alex is going through his order, it, he's like reading my mind. I'm definitely going to go Fair Warning first uh, on this one. Developed a love for it. Uh, go to Van Halen two next because I just feel like it's slightly underrated and the, the band is so strong, like Mark said. Uh, Van Halen one after that, and Women and Children first. Interesting, pretty aligned um, for the most part. Uh, just mm-hmm. I flipped the first two, um, and and Chris um, just is, is so connected to the first record. I think that you know I think it's all good points, and it's interesting to see that you know, all just separating the first, essentially the uh, first chapter of Van Halen here in our discography show, and uh, you know really a lot of uh, you know good material. And we're gonna take a turn next with Diver Down, um, being that it's a uh, an album of mostly covers and kind of written in some ways to pay back expenses. And, uh, you know, Chris, you can bring more of that, uh, up in the, in the history part of our, uh, track by track, but you know, it's, it's, this has been uh, an interesting journey just, uh, starting off, kicking off a, a career here. And, you know, there's going to be some big changes in the next four albums with, uh, Van Halen and yeah, to say the least. So yeah, I apologize if we had any audio issues going through this, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get it sorted out and uh good for you next time to meet you on the other side with fair warning <laughs>